Welcome, Hubsters, to another episode of the Performance Hub podcast. In this episode, we are joined by Billy Asprey, who shares her experiences and gives us a unique insight into barriers around body image. It was an amazing chat and not one to miss, particularly for our female listeners. So without further ado, let's get into it. We are live from Melbourne, Australia. From Melbourne, Australia. Bringing you the Performance Hub podcast. Strap yourself in as we explore the world of human performance. No BS, no hidden agenda, just real world applicable information to help you optimize your human performance. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Coach Max and Carl. All right, we are live. So first off, Billy, welcome. Thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. Um, I think if we start off with what we generally do, if you just want to give the listeners a bit of a rundown as to who you are uh, and kind of what you've been doing uh, recently and what you're working on at the moment. Beautiful. So um, I guess I'm a strength and powerlifting coach. I work out of the Strength Fortress in Maidstone. Um, predominantly, I work with like more beginner lifters. Um, I guess like my sort of mission is like plugging the gap between like finding barbell and powerlifting training quite intimidating, scary, daunting, and making that, like, I guess, more accessible for people. Um, I also do a fair bit of work around nutrition. Um, my partner and I work together a lot um, to, yeah, I guess, bridge the gap between, like, body image, health, performance, and, like, find, like, a nice approach that kind of tackles it all. Um, I also teach yoga on the side, which is just, like, a nice little break from the gym environment, I guess. Um, what I've been doing recently, working online yeah. <laughs> a lot, yeah, <laughs> surviving. Um, yes, yeah, just been coaching online, obviously, trying to get through 2020. Um, what's to come? Hopefully, working in the gym again. <laughs> no, it's not done days. I like it. I like it. Um, just on that, I wanted to ask you with the um, yoga. So, that's like a little bit, I guess, outside the box. So, for you, is that like just something to challenge yourself with physically or is it more like the, I guess, mental side of yoga that kind of draws you in? Very much like 100% mental and spiritual side. Um, I certainly came into it like most people do in fitness of like, oh, this will help me recover from training. And it was like, you know, within a couple of sessions, I was like, whoa, this is like so much more than that, I guess. So, um, yeah, I came into it as like a student just, yeah, looking for a way to like stretch and recover saved for like what it gave to me and then studied up to become a teacher once I was like what is this witchcraft like, yeah. what, like how, how does this work what is happening um so yeah I really love sharing that it's like certainly like I know we'll get into it but like help with a little like body image and I guess like my ability to handle life I guess yeah awesome I think that's like important as well because no matter what you're doing like for us like I definitely can relate to that through like myself, which is more like a martial arts kind of background. Mm -hmm. And to me, I guess that's my outlet. Um, And like, as much as I like the physical side of of training martial arts, like I find the mental side of it is probably more what I'm after. Um, But I think, yeah, everybody needs some kind of outlet. Like it doesn't probably have to be physical per se, Um, but having something like that, really important. And that whole idea Sorry, yeah. like no, the gym no. environment that like we're in, like we're in there all the time, right? Whether it's like participating ourselves or coaching, it's like it's very yang, like it's heavy, it's mm. like masculine, it's tough, and it's like there needs to be like something to counterbalance that, or we're just like hyped on stimulants all the time. 
Um, so it's like, yeah, it doesn't need to be physical, as you said. Like, it could be, like, something completely passive. But I guess, like, we are quite physical people, right? Like, that's kind of why we're in this industry in the first place. So it's, I think it's only natural that we would gravitate towards something that's less hectic than lifting, but also not quite napping. Yeah, no, definitely. No, I was going to say, it's obviously really humbling for a person to you know, may be heavily into, you know, weight-based training to be able to move the body in such a way. And like you said, it's going to give you more of that parasynthetic sort of response. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just the process of learning a new skill, which can be really powerful from the mindset. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's very um, grounding. Uh, do we want to do, yeah, let's do our rapid fire. So we always like to start off with some rapid fire questions. We'll do 60 right. seconds here. Um, just to, you know, obviously the coaching persona, but let's see what really makes you tick and, and ask those hard-hitting questions. So uh, don't overthink it when it comes to your mind. Go for it. So first question, cats or dogs? Oh, I don't think anyone should have to choose. Um, I think there's no need to choose, but cats. Cats. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. On the fence, but cats. Fantastic. Uh, Favourite takeaway food? Uh, burgers. Burgers, perfect. Do you have a go-to burger place? Um, there's a place called Burgatory near my house and they have like, I'm vegan, so they do like a lot of vegan ones, but they're like really like greasy and cheesy and like Delicious. good stuff. That's what you Sounds want great. Right? Yeah, perfect. Tick all boxes. Uh, squats or deadlifts? Squats. Squats. Mm. Yeah. So first, first squat. Is. That is the first squat. Fantastic. So we like to pose a question. So there's an apocalypse, the zombies are coming. You've got, you're only allowed to get one more squat session in. What is your go-to song to play for that last squat session? <laughs> I go through a lot of phases. Um, right now I'm going through the Offspring Americana album. Yeah, what a classic. That is a classic. So which song off the album we got? Is there a specific song? Nah, all of it. Just, just, start, 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 just hit shuffle and like hit me. Hit me, just shuffle that. That's yeah. awesome. What a classic. Oh, I remember that came out when I was like grade four. Like what a time. Free yeah. flight for a while. Right? <laughs> we were young. Time. Like it was a long time ago. Simple time. So fantastic. I actually, um, my auntie and uncle like burned it for me. And like, remember when you used to like print the cover of the album and like you'd buy the CD cases and slide yes. the cover in? Yeah. So it looked like it was legit. Yeah, that's how I got that album. That's so good. Kids these days don't know what they're actually doing. It's like us, like LimeWire, all those sort of yeah, things. Yeah, it's like I'm going to, you know. <laughs> and it's like the we worst don't, quality. Yeah, like, correct. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, no, correct. Uh, fantastic. That's a great answer. Movies or TV shows? Which do I prefer? Or what do you prefer? Yeah. Oh. So are you a movie buff or do you like movies? Yep. Have you got an all time favourite movie? Fast and the Furious. Nice. Just the whole Fast and the Is there one in particular? All of them. All of them. <laughs> I love this. This is great. Okay. It's like your drift. I didn't like that one so much. Yeah, that's a weird one. Was it because it had, I think, this is my theory on it. They like made the first one and then the second one and then they did that spin-off, but they probably didn't think they were going to like continue this. No. And then it's like they had to kind of figure out a way that it I still brings it back. Bring it back in and it just makes no sense. No, but it's perfect. I don't know. I kind of liked the loop around. I think it worked. I just didn't get how at the end of the second movie they're like, got, they've just stolen all this cash. And I'm like, great, they're going to go open a garage. And then next time Paul Walker's in there, he's just working to the FBI and it's never spoken about why he's working for the <laughs> yeah. FBI again. He just did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, fantastic. Okay, next question. Uh, toilet paper, are you a folder, scruncher, or combination of both? Folder. Folder. 
Perfect. Nice and efficient. Very good. Okay, last question in our not-so-rapid-fire. If you could teleport back in time, what's one piece of advice that you would give a younger you? Oh, yeah, that's pretty, loaded. Yeah, it's very loaded. <laughs> we like a loaded questions. God, that is loaded. Um, I'll go, like, heavy and heartfelt yep. and be like, you don't need to be, like, super successful in every realm of your life in order to be, like, an acceptable person. Awesome. I love that. That's great advice. Fantastic. Well, thank you for playing Rapid Fire. Good work. My heart's racing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we want. Breathe, breathe. Good work. <laughs> well, I guess if we get into our main topic on yep. that, um, which is kind of the female perspective, um, but I guess if you could just give us a bit of an overview um, of, like, your journey in the fitness industry so whether that's like starting as a client moving to a coach and what's that kind of what that kind of has looked like yeah cool um i'll try and keep it short um been involved i guess yeah in fitness and sport in some capacity from like quite a young age um like i remember doing i did my first like work experience placement in the gym when i was 15 in like grade 10 so it was like awesome. i guess that was kind of my first exposure and i got a gym membership like when i finished my placement so i've been like yeah, I guess involved in some capacity for quite a long time. Um, in my teens, I was a competitive endurance runner. Um, so like my initial exposure in the gym was like running on the treadmill. Um, yeah. And then it was like the gym PT would like give you a program that was just using all of the pin loaded equipment on a circuit. Yeah, and like classic. repeat forever, <laughs> three by eight to 12 for hypertrophy. Um, so that was like my initial exposure. Yeah. Um, then I got my first PT, probably like an actual PT, not just the gym one that gives you a program, um, around age like 19-ish, I think. Um, and that was when like, I actually kind of had some idea what I was doing and learned how to lift. I wouldn't say very well, but I had some idea what I was doing. Um, and I guess that was the first time I got quite consistent. Um, prior to that point, I had been quite underweight. And at that point, I was, I guess, healthy. Um, so it was kind of that shift going from running excessively to actually having some sort of structure in my training that was, I guess, a bit more balanced and a little bit less excessive. Um, I went to Europe and gained like five kilos in like six weeks or something. So I came back and that was when I was like, oh my God, I really need to do something about this. I like super overreacted to that. Um, but then I um, did my search 34 pretty much as soon as I got home in an attempt to try and sort that situation out. Um, and at this time I was actually living in Queensland on the Gold Coast. So I started doing like what pretty much everyone did when they lived on the Gold Coast and you did your search before, which was start running boot camps. Yeah. Um, so I did that and that kind of like got me like a, you know, some degree of a client base to move into a commercial gym. So I was working out of there, um, just doing one-on-one sessions. Um, and I grew up on the central coast of New South Wales. So I'd moved from there to Queensland um, and it ended up being that most of my clients were actually online from the central coast. So yeah. to me, it made a lot of sense to like move where the work was. So I actually moved back to the central coast from Queensland and opened the women's only gym, um, which I did awesome. when I was 21. Um, so I ran that really successfully for about three years. Um, and that was just all, I guess, kind of like functional training, group fitness, that kind of yeah. thing. Um, and it was while I was there that I started doing powerlifting, um, ended up meeting someone through powerlifting, closed the gym, moved to Melbourne to be with her. Um, and 
yeah, kind of wound up here. I took a break from coaching for a while, ended up working in uh, leisure centre management for a while um, before realising that I don't really suit nine to five. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thinking that would be a really nice break for me, but it wasn't. I hated it Um, and came back to coaching and, yeah, led me here, I guess. Awesome. Yeah, really cool. Sounds like pretty... um, yeah, it's pretty eventful. Uh, yeah, I'm ten years or so. Um, awesome. So I think what we wanted to get into with this topic is, like, obviously we have coached a lot of females yes. and males, um, and to say the really plain and simple, like there are some pretty big differences between uh, males and females, um, both in terms of like a physiological point of view, but then also from a psychological point of view. But we wanted to talk about, like, in our view, it's not that women and men should have to train differently. Mm. We don't really believe that at all. Um, I mean, there's going to be some minute differences, right? But for the most part, it's going to be pretty equivalent. But the expectation of training for men and women is pretty different. And that's sometimes what, you know, as a coach you battle with because someone's expectation when they come in is one thing Mm. and you don't want to challenge that too much on day dot. So... Mm. In that respect, like when it comes to that type of stuff, what do you think are some of the things that are contributing to those types of issues? Like when you were coming up in the ranks as a client, coach, trainer, like what were some of the places you were getting information from um, that was leading you to, like you said, just run on the treadmill when you first started at the gym? Yeah, I think like, God, it's so, I think it's really interesting answering these questions now because it's like the things I was exposed to at that time in my life in terms of like cultural messaging, media, mm. that kind of thing, it's so different to what I'm exposed to now. Yep. So like it sometimes like baffles me to hear of like some of the messaging that my clients or friends have heard because I'm like, whoa, that messaging still exists. Like yeah, yeah. It's almost like I don't receive it anymore because, you know, it doesn't, you know, the Instagram algorithm doesn't give me that anymore because it's not what I subscribe to, I guess. So it's like, it's almost like shocking to hear it still exists. Anyhow, I guess it was like, yeah, like obviously impressionable teenage years at the time when it was like, yeah, people I followed on social media were very much like, you know, skinny models or something. I was reading magazines at the nail shop. They were all like, you know, how to lose 10 pounds. Like, you know, those mm-hmm. kind of messaging, right? So it was like, largely that. And I guess like, just the thin ideal was kind of just peddled a lot at that time. And I think that, you know, media messaging and the ideal body shape has like evolved a lot over the recent years where it's kind of gone largely from this idea that thin is better to this idea that like fit and muscular is better or the ideal physique. And while physiologically that might have better implications, at least we're not starving ourselves, we're lifting weights or whatever. um, I think that there are still absolutely substantial psychological implications that come with that because there's still this pressure to look a certain way and you know, obviously that requires certain effort, sacrifices, whatever, on behalf of the individual. Um, but also, not everyone is built for that. Like, I mean, I've been listening for 10 years and I still am like the skinny girl I was 10 years ago, right? Like, I'm just not built for it. So there needs to be like, edu- there needs to be education. Is yeah. The biggest thing that's holding everyone back is understanding this is just a societal pressure that you don't need to subscribe to. Even if we all trained the same, we wouldn't all look the same. And yeah, I guess that's sort of the main two points of like, you don't need to look this way and you need to get, I guess, in touch with the 
why you feel the need to look that way. Yeah, I think that's really important. And like, it's funny because you say those things like, and I think they exist for both men and women. Like, you know, you've obviously seen me, I'm six foot six. I'm never going to look jacked. It's just not possible. <laughs> um, I would need to weigh like 140 kilos. So like we are, I guess, dealt that. But also I'm fully aware, like I've never had a male cry to me about their appearance. It's never happened mm. in all the years that I've been mm. coaching. I've had that happen numerous times with females and you've probably had the same and I'm sure Billy, yeah. you've had the same. And it's sure, not yeah. that the issue is different. I think it's more that the expectations or the messaging, as you say, is much more critical um, of females than it is for males. So I think, you know, sometimes we, like I say this, like as a semi-joke to female clients I have, but like, everything's a little bit harder for you. Like physiologically, things are going to be a little bit harder. Like you're not going to be able to, you know, just do what a male does to lose weight because most guys, it's like, yeah, clean your diet up a little bit, train hard, and you're probably going to lose body fat, right? Females, I'm like, yeah, you have this thing, like your hormone levels are constantly changing across a four-week period for most people. It can vary. Uh, and so sometimes it's going to go up, sometimes it's going to go down. And the last thing you want to do is crush diet because your body's going to fight back harder. And then yeah. on top of that, your expectations of your own body image are far higher than what a male's is. So you're really destined, I guess, to fall into like this pit of despair. Um, so I think it's like kind of multifaceted in that respect as well. Yeah, well, we talk about that, unfortunately, you can't fight your biology. No. You know, when it comes to that sort of stuff. Do you think, like, is the educating the, the biggest sort of barrier in, and with the misconceptions of, especially like weight training around, you know, females, have you seen that obviously evolve over the time within the industry? Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that women are certainly coming around to the idea that weight training is actually beneficial for them. I guess the more, like the higher participation is in weight training by women, the more role models there are. Yeah. But I think there's certainly a lot of misunderstanding around the way weight training should be performed for women. Um, like you said before, like things don't need to be vastly different. So there's like, okay, cool. Okay, I'm female. I can train with a barbell. This is all good. Um, but I shouldn't be going too heavy. And it's like, yeah. so it's awesome. like, they're certainly like edging further along. Like they've got the idea now that, all right, we shouldn't be doing cardio all the time. Like that's certainly progress, but there's still like that. Oh, but it, it should still be different. It should be tailored for me as a woman. Um, so I think that that's kind of the next step. It's like, okay, cool. Like we've got women in the gyms now. We've got them holding barbells. We've got them like buying into this. Yep. Now the next step is education of like, you can train as like as hard as any man and like yeah absolutely right. i think like that's a massive one like how many times have we heard like oh i just don't want to put on too much muscle and i'm like listen i've been trying for like over 10 years and it's just not that easy yeah. <laughs> i'm still skinny chipping away chipping away um and it's funny like what like one of the things i noticed in this it's like you say like women have like this expectation that like well no like, i couldn't do like less than eight reps on an exercise because that's going to make me bulky Whereas like when we're like writing a hypertrophy program for a man, it's like, yeah, let's just pump the volume up, like sets of 12. <laughs> and it's like, that's yeah. how we're going to get you bigger. And it, like, yeah. it just doesn't seem to translate. Like not that, you know, you can't get bigger at any rep range, but it's more like women, like in their effort to tone, quote unquote, are somehow staying in like typical bodybuilding rep ranges, like accidentally. And I think it's, as yeah. you say, because like the education and the understanding mm. isn't there. And then... Like the one thing I do see 
on Instagram from a lot of these influencers is like, you know, you see like hip thrusts into glute kickback for like, you know, 15 reps and a booty burn with a band and like all this kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of like that messaging is probably better than, you know, let's do 45 minutes on the treadmill a day and only eat salad. Like we're on the right track here, yeah. but you know, it's still, I don't think that message of here's ways to specifically build your glutes is actually that much of an improvement on you need to be skinny because it's still focusing very much on the body. Yeah. If that makes sense. Exactly right. I think like, yeah, something that I'm like super passionate about is this idea that just by changing the way you look, you will feel better. Like I really don't believe that that's the case at all. It's like there should be like two separate goals inherent there where one is to change the way I look and the other is to feel better about myself. And like, Certainly changing your appearance can feed into that. Like I'm not saying that changing your appearance won't make you feel better. I just don't think it's the answer to all your woes. So I certainly think that those two things really, really need to be separated in a gym environment of like, okay, cool. You're exercising and you're training hard. You have like a social environment around your exercise. That's fantastic. These things will make you feel better. Um, What other things are you doing? And it's like that expectation that like your entire happiness is going to be the product of your physique is like, I think just so misguided. And I think that that's, that messaging is really strongly perpetuated still to this day. Yeah. Because I think like we touched on before, like you're constantly chasing this never ending physique that in your head, you've got this ideal, I guess, vision or dream of how it's going to look, but you probably when you even get to that point and then you're not feeling satisfied at all. So it's just this vicious cycle. Yeah. One thing I often pull my clients up on is like when they'll show me like an old photo of themselves, like I just want to yeah. look like this, like, I just want to look like this again. Um, I said, like, you know, how did you feel about your body at the time? And like, oh, I can't believe it. I didn't think I looked any good at all. Like, I wanted to lose weight. And it's like, can't you see this? Like, what makes you think that yeah. you'll appreciate it now? Like, it's all on the screen. No, 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 it'll be different this time. And it's like, babe, you won't. Like, we all yeah. are the same way. It's like, oh, if I just look at that again, I'd be so happy. And it's like, I look at photos of myself when I'm my leanest. And it's like, I remember crying that same day because I thought I was fat. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. now I'm like, this is my goal body. Like, it makes no sense. But so many of us fall into the same trap. Yeah, I think that's really important. And it's almost like that distinction you talked about there, like improving your physique, but then also like being happy. Like, and then that's sometimes like when we talk about like that intrinsic or extrinsic motivation yes. and we're looking for like, okay, you, you're saying your goal is this, but what is the goal really? And I think for a lot of people, like the goal might be to, to them straight on the surface level, it's like, oh, I want to look better, yada, yada, yada. But what they really want is to improve confidence, improve how happy they are, um, all these types of things. And like you say, they might be correlated and they probably are correlated to a point, but there's absolutely a trade-off there. And it's like, you know, I've we've all been lean and I'm like, I'm not happier when I'm leaner. I'm hungry and I feel like shit, like that's yeah. it, that to a point, right? And it's like, and yeah, I mean, I guess we all want to look like we did when we were 18 or whatever. Like I was like, yeah, great. Everything was actually, no, I was super skinny, so probably not. I don't yeah, I I feel like when I was 18. I, I want to feel that level of energy. Yeah, with, I think it hurt. <laughs> yeah, if I could have my energy levels from 18 and my physique from like 23, I was looking pretty good there. And then the knowledge I have now rolled into one. Yeah, Is that possible? Good. Let's do that. Is that possible? I have a couple of things to say there, actually. Have you heard of the process of the fivefold why? Yes. I absolutely love that for goal setting. So it's like, okay, I want to lose weight so I feel better about myself. Okay, cool. Why? 
uh, so I have more confidence. Okay, cool. Why? Um, so I can meet someone. Okay, cool. Why? Like, and it's so it really gets to the bottom. And it's like from that you can find that like the goal isn't at all that they want to change the way they look. The goal is that they want to meet someone. And it's like okay, cool. So that's really great. Now we have more information. So we can certainly work on improving your health and fitness in the way you view your body. But maybe also we can get you building your confidence in social settings so that you might actually put yourself out there in order to make this happen. Um, perhaps we need to do some work on your body image so that, that way when you do change the way you look, you actually think you look better too. It's like once you have like more data on like the underlying why of like why someone wants to change the way they look, it's like you have so many different ways that you can tackle a situation rather than just going, okay, cool, here's a barbell and a calorie deficit, let's hope for the best. Like, yeah, correct. There's so much more to work with. Yeah, but it can be very hard for people to really get to the core of their why because it, it, it's uncomfortable and it's really hard to sure. people, articu- you know, articulate it where for me to be like, well, I want to lose five kilos, that's superficial, that's really easy. But to really dig deep, um, so I think that's great, like just to be like, hey, why do you want this? No, it's yeah. really important. And I think it's also it brings up another issue. Like I think for a lot of people it is exactly what you're saying that like, they do want to be more confident and happy and they probably are feeling a little bit lonely and they do want to be able to put themselves out there and meet someone. One of the things that like, and it's, you've got to be careful with your wording when you say this, Mm. but I'll just say it. (laughs) It's our podcast. But like one thing, if I had advice for females that were, I guess, in the back of their mind thinking they're going to be more attractive to males based on body weight, like, I don't think I've ever spoken to any male who has known specifically, like, what their partner weighs or really cared. It's like, you're either attracted to someone or you're not. And within a range of, like, probably 15 kilos, like, that's probably not going to change a great deal. No. Like, you might be like, oh, she looks really fit or something, but it's not going to change drastically based on that. And I think that's probably... A misconception and I don't know you might know more Billy but is that something that you think has been like driven by like that messaging whether it's now Instagram or previously like magazines and things that like marketing if you're skinny or if you're fit you're going to be more attractive like do you think that's part of the problem I think it's certainly media messaging something that I think is like really important to know is like it's not that you're like absolutely gorgeous or you're ugly like there's a spectrum there so like Sure, there might be like some girl on Instagram that is like a solid 10. But just because I don't look like her doesn't make me a zero. Like I can be somewhere on that spectrum and that's fine. So I think that there's certainly this like, oh, if I could just drop this little bit of weight, then I would be, you know, I'd finally be done. And it's like another thing to add to that is like five kilos, honestly, on a physique doesn't look like a lot on a lot of people. So a lot of people like, I want to drop five kilos. That'll like just change my physique. And it's like, I don't know if you've seen five kilos come off someone, but like for a lot of my clients, like I've had them get super disheartened because they've dropped five, 10 kilos and no one's noticed. And it's like, yeah. does that tell you how much people pay attention to your physique? Like, yeah, yeah, I think that's like, really important. You're gutted that you've lost five, 10 kilos and no one's noticed, but doesn't that give you like promise that if you gain five or 10 kilos again, no one had noticed. Yeah, no, no one cares. Like, yeah. And I think the other thing with that, you know, you said there's a, like that zero to 10 like spectrum everybody's spectrum is going to be different. Like, it's a very subjective thing. Yes. So, like, yours might be different, Billy's will be different, mine will be different. Like, you know, I've made my piece that, like, on my best day, I'm a six. I was going to say, I'm a solid four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, that's just how it is. <laughs> um, like, my, one of my best friends and I always joke that, like, we'll never fight over a dude. Like, she is, like, her, like, perfect man is, like, 
Caucasian, jacked, seven foot tall, like, and has to have like an IQ of like zero. And I'm like, oh, absolutely no way. <laughs> and then she sees my partner who's like half my height, short and Asian. And she's like, I don't get it, Billy. Like, don't get it at all. And it's like, it's so subjective. So similarly, like my boyfriend, like he's so easy to please. Like I roll out of bed and his jaw hits the floor. He thinks I'm gorgeous. But like there's people that look at me and I'll do nothing for them. So it's like, if you try to please everyone, like you're failing from the get-go. Like, you know, I like I think Angelina Jolie is a solid 10, but people will disagree with me on that. And it's like, man, if she can't please everyone, they're like, damn. Where's the hope for the rest of us? Yeah. And I think like the bigger issue there is, if your like self-worth is tied to your what other people think, but not even what other people think, what you think other people are going to think about yeah. you. Like you're setting yourself up for like that is a it's a deep rabbit hole to go down. But I think it's where a lot of people maybe they're not even aware that that's you know what's driving them sometimes, but it is, you know. And it's like like Billy was saying with like those um, levels of questioning there with the whys, it's like if you can dig deeper there, it's like okay maybe we can focus a little bit on weight loss, but there's probably some other areas that you can address that are actually going to make you happier and more confident that have nothing to do with training and diet. Like absolutely nothing. For sure. And like, this is like a little bit of an aside, but it's like, it really highlights the importance of like a really strong coaching relationship because if someone's just meeting you for the first time, you're a coach, they're the client and their like deepest why is that they feel like they're unacceptable to society at large. They're not going to tell you that if they're meeting you for the first time. But if you have a really strong relationship with them, then eventually over time you can coax out of them the fact that, you know, they feel like they're a failure. They feel like their physique isn't socially acceptable. They're fearful that they'll be alone. Like, they're not going to tell you that on day one. But it's like, it's like that establishing so much trust that someone feels safe to tell you something that is so vulnerable that they're like embarrassed to articulate. Yeah, okay. I think that's big. That's huge. And I think, you know, to touch on that as well, the importance of the environment you're in with the people that you surround yourself and how that can influence your own thought process and your behaviours. Um, and I guess, you know, we talk about, you know, trying to make an environment feel welcoming regardless of your male or female. You know, the bar doesn't discriminate. You, everyone earns the right to progress. Um, you know, do you think that's played a big role in how you see things in terms of how you set up, I guess, a gym environment? saying that their social circle influences their thought patterns is that what you're saying yeah correct yeah yeah absolutely there's actually quite a bit of data around that actually that like women whose friends have like poor body image are more inclined to have poor body image yeah. or yeah and like pretty much anything related to that so it's like i think you might have heard there's like whatever your goal is surround yourself by people who like where that is the norm mm. so it's like if you're like and that's typically applied to things like you know working hard training hard career whatever but it's like if your goal is to feel good around, about yourself or be accepting of your physique, then like you do well to be surrounded by people that, for which that is normal. Yeah. If you're spending time with people that are so hypercritical of themselves that feel the need to mask their appearance, that are perpetually dieting, like you're probably going to have a very similar experience versus if you surround yourself with like I guess uh, people that are quite self-assured, like you're more more likely to be less critical of yourself. So therefore, you can have the same experience. Um, I think that's really, really important, and it's like. Yeah, certainly in the fitness industry, I think it's really important for us to like cultivate an environment whereby we're nurturing people and supporting them towards their goals. If they want to lose weight, who am I to tell them not to? But also can provide an environment where that is not the sole focus. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that way. That's great. Weight loss and body composition change can kind of be a byproduct of doing something they enjoy, self improvement, getting stronger, whatever. 
then therefore, yeah, those results can just be a byproduct that they aren't focused on being self-deprecating day in, day out because they're not there yet. Yeah, I think that's big. And I think like we can definitely relate to that, especially when you said they're like, we almost want it to be a byproduct. So like, obviously we come from a strength and conditioning background. So we're always thinking about like performance, but also like performance is a broader term, like not just weight on the bar, like it could be anything. It could be objective, subjective, but I think if we're focusing on improving our performance, yes, in a sense like yes, training or like we're eating better or our energy levels are improved or like health markers are improving. Hey, I'm happier each day. If we focus on that as kind of what our brain power goes to, then like, I know we said this at the time, but like I've never had anybody like lower their blood pressure and heart rate, improve their performance, improve their diet and like not lose weight. It's, it's literally never happened before. Yeah. So if we can focus on all these things, I think it's A, better for you psychologically, but B, it's much more sustainable to do long-term because how many times have we seen someone say, I want to lose five or 10 kilos or whatever it is, maybe it's 20 kilos and they're able to do it. But then once they do it, well, then everything that they've done to get there goes out the window because all they were fixated on was that magic number. Yeah. And then once they get it, they just stack the weight back on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I completely agree. It's like, I think it is a real challenge when you first have someone come to you to like pitch them, I guess, that process orientation rather than just the outcome focus. It can be so challenging because the process orientation isn't sexy, like saying... No. You know, we, we want you to show up. We want you to have fun at the gym. We want you to train hard. We want you to love this. Like, you know, that's not sexy. Like, they want to hear, like, lose 10 kilos in flashing lights. So it's like, it's like this constant um, process for us as coaches to, like, really cultivate that where it's like, are you having fun? Are you loving this? Are you feeling good? So that way, like, they can really feel that and therefore have those results. But, yeah, are easy to sustain because it's like, of course I go to the gym four days a week. What else would I be doing? Yeah, exactly. The results are easy to maintain when, like, that's your mindset as opposed to, oh, what do I have to do to maintain my weight? Oh, that sounds hard. Like, Yeah, I think that's big. And, you know, I think everybody, even if it's not conscious, like what we've done and I'm sure what you've done, is, like, we accept that our way of, like, bringing clients in, et cetera, is going to be far slower Mm -hmm. than, like, an eight-week challenge, lose 10 kilos with Photoshop people of, photoshop pictures of people being shredded like there's a reason everybody does that because it works because people see that and they're like sign me up now we typically get them once they've already done three and then (laughs) we're uh, dealing with all these other issues but no so it's like like you say it's not sexy um but it is like correct and it's what works Mm -hmm. you know and i guess what we're more interested in is that long-term success of that client, like whether it's with you or not. Like if, if a client leaves, a client leaves, but you want them at least leaving with, at least you've got some uh, confidence that they're going to be fine, like out in the wild by themselves, because you know that like, okay, this person has got a solid routine. Um, they're someone now who trains four days a week. They enjoy the process of training. They don't do it because they feel like they have to. Uh, and, you know, their relationship with food isn't completely toxic. So I think, yeah, you're right. If we focus on the not sexy stuff long-term, you're going to be far better off. Yeah. And I think that, like, we're seeing the start of a cultural shift towards that approach. And it's like, yeah, obviously, like, the corner of the industry that we inhabit is largely reflective of that, but there's still, like, a lot to come. But I do think there has been a big move. Like, I think that the start of that is going from, like, I guess, normal, like, box-style gyms to now, like, more boutique gyms where places like yourself and 
I'm going to include F45 in this, although like they're a little bit behind, I think. Um, but that's more like boutique style gym where people are happy to pay a little bit more for this more inclusive service and therefore they get more attention and more nurturing so that they can kind of have this more, I guess, holistic approach. Yeah. So I think that like the way the fitness industry is moving is moving towards, I guess, this kind of more process orientation now that exercise is more fun and it's more social and there's a means of improving performance because you're having, you have access to a PT without having to pay for a one-on-one session and a fitness first. It's like, yeah, I think the fitness industry is moving in the right direction to make this more like mainstream, I guess. You're listening to the Performance Hub podcast. No BS, no hidden agendas. Which actually probably takes one of our next ones. So like, what are some of the things you think that like we as coaches or... Hmm. We're not influencers, but we can say that. We, we do peddle a small amount of influence. Uh, as coaches or influencers, like, what are some of the things you think like we could be doing or should be doing to improve the situation? And then what are some of the things you think are just absolute no-nos in terms of this kind of body image discretion? I think, like, yeah, I think the role of the coach and the influencer is, like, loosely different. I think, first of all, it's, like, important to lead by example and in doing so, like, not just sharing the highlights. I think it's really tempting to be like, yeah, I look like this all the time. Or, mm. um, you know, this is my day on a plate and only photographing your best day ever on a plate. Like, just those kind of things of, like, sharing what it takes to attain and maintain, I guess, a healthy physique that looks semi-acceptable. That it, it doesn't have to be completely laced in sacrifice. Like, you can have a normal life. You can achieve good health. You can achieve a nice physique without giving up everything. And I think that what is typically shared on social media is kind of to extremes from like influencers. I think it's typically like, look at my green smoothie. Like, look at how I yeah. eat all the time, you know, or it's look at me having a burger and donut because that's like, you know, I'm a hashtag flexible buyer. Yeah, and it's like, I think, and it's hard because obviously social media and stuff is a highlight reel. So we're not going to just, I just had like a wrap for lunch and I just chucked it together. It wasn't photographable. Like I'm not going to post it, but I feel like that's the stuff that needs to be shared. It's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. I had a, I had a wrap. It had protein on it. It had veggies on it. It also had condiments on it because they're delicious. And I had it with cordial. Like, you know, that stuff like is important, I think, because it's like, this is what a normal healthy life looks like. It's not mm. a, like, it's not all in or not in at all. It's quite normal. So I think that that's quite important in conveying that like, yeah, you don't need to give up everything. It doesn't need to be extreme. It can just be a pretty normal life. And it's just shifting the goalpost of what you find is normal for your life and elevating the standards that you have for yourself, I guess. That's a great answer. That's a really good answer, which we were talking about this this morning, um, where we feel like there's more and more um, influencers that are kind of willing to have the body image posts up there, which is great. But then on the flip side, you know, the caption reads brilliantly and you're like, yes, I 100% agree with what you're saying here. But then the picture is not necessarily reflective of the caption. Sort of contradicting. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's like, I'm not the Instagram police. And the last thing I'm going to do is call someone out for posting. I think you can post whatever you want. I'm all for that. More power to you. Mm. But some of the feedback like we get sometimes is, the picture of you looking perfect in the gym with like, you know, flawless makeup posed in a crop top looking shredded mm. isn't 
necessarily going to give the desired outcome from that post. And maybe they think that it is, but then someone reads that and say, it's okay to be happy in your own skin. And they're probably thinking, yeah, well, fuck you. Look how good you look. I don't look like that. So how am I meant to be happy in my skin, if that makes sense? So I think that is a flip that kind of follows on from what you were saying. We're like, there's people that are willing to do the posts, but there's only a small amount of people that are willing to do the posts with like an honest, hey, this is what like a day-to-day me actually looks like, if that makes sense. And I, I think it's so important to like also be compassionate with people that have got a large following because like, sure, I'm a big advocate for body image, but like I'm not posting a shit photo of myself like, mm. and neither does anyone else. And it's like just because someone has a physique that you think is beautiful doesn't mean they think it is. Mm. So it's like... You know, just because someone has like, you know, beautiful curves, fit as hell, looks amazing. You think she loves her body? Probably nine times out of 10, she doesn't. Yeah. And like, she's posting this message of herself looking fantastic. And she took a hundred photos that day because she didn't fucking like any of them because she didn't think she looked good enough. So it's like, I absolutely agree with you that it's like, yeah, easy for you to say love your body, look at you. But it's also like, not necessarily, because as we said before, it's like beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And everyone is way more critical of themselves than they are of other people. So it's also like, I am compassionate with these people that are copying all this criticism because it's like, well, yeah, they don't want to share their shit photo because they're vulnerable too. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like, it's like beauty isn't, um, beauty doesn't protect you from poor body image. No, I think that's, that's really big. Like having that, I guess, level of perspective um, or like empathy for different people. And it's like, but it's one of those things, like if you're feeling um, vulnerable or your self-esteem is low, like, what do you want to do? You want to lash out <laughs> at everybody else. Um, so it's kind of like, I guess it's a complex issue there as well, because, really you know, it's like people, it takes confidence to put yourself out there in any realm, kind of like you were saying. And then, you know, we don't know how somebody else feels about a different post, but then, you know, you go, if you're, I guess, putting yourself out there as a fitness influencer and you do have a large following, there probably is some level of responsibility that comes with that as well. Yeah. So it is like... It's a fine line. It is. And it's like, and like I said, I'm not the person to be like, hey, this is right or this is wrong. I firmly believe in that you do you and whatever you think is best. And even if it's wrong, then, you know, you have, you have the right to do whatever. Yeah. But I think it is like a complex issue for people and it's a big part of it is just like the whole social media age in itself. Like it's probably like the internet and social media has been brilliant for so many things, but I would be fairly confident in saying it's been terrible for people's self-esteem and body image because there's like that analogy that I've used before where it's like, you know, if you think to like the 1950s, right. And you're just chilling in your house and then your neighbour pulls into the driveway and he's got a new car and you're just like, shit, look at his car. His car looks great. I wish I had a car. Look how shit my car is. And then you go, you're sitting there at night, oh, fuck, I feel so bad because I don't have a good car like Bob next door. But nowadays, you don't have Bob next door. You open your phone and there's like 50 million people with better cars than you. And you can yeah. flip that to like body image, right? It's like you can see someone on the beach and be like, wow, look at that person. Wish I looked like that. But now, like, you open Instagram and every single person could be like that. Yeah, it's just crazy. I have, like, so many things to say to that. Um, Yeah, go. It's great. Oh, I have so many things to say. Um, The first thing I want to say, and I think I've lost my train of thought. What did you say before that? Um, Social media is dead. Responsibility. We're talking about, yeah, influencers, whatnot on social media. Is it, like, 
the message conveyed also isn't always the message received. So yes, like what I said huge. before about yeah. like being a good role model, it's like, you know, it'd be easy to say, okay, for those people that have got physique that by all measures is perfect. It, you could say to them, okay, maybe you can share about your vulnerabilities and the things that you don't think are quite good upon your, of yourself. And that way it kind of shows that they're people too and they also experience body image issues. But that is like, I guess, as you kind of highlighted, often received as like, oh, whatever, like you're perfect. Like how could you possibly think that about yourself? Yeah. When like perhaps the message they're trying to convey is even in my socially acceptable physique, I'm still not happy. But people don't receive it that way. So it's like there's certainly a responsibility on people of influence to convey a message that's clear for people to go, okay, this is how you feel. This is your experience. But that's not always what's interpreted. So there's certainly a responsibility on behalf of the listener to, I guess, be educated, to be able to comprehend the message that's being sent. So I think like it's like you were saying, like it's complicated. It's like, yeah, it's so complicated because the responsibility doesn't lie solely with the influencer. It's like there's responsibility on both sides of that communication. Yeah, I think that's very massive. And I mean, it depends like how, it's like if you want to use like a little bit of tough love, but like sometimes it's necessary because ultimately the only person who is responsible for your own happiness is you. Like if it's tied to anybody else, and I know that sounds harsh as hell, right? And I don't want to be like Navy SEAL style, like take extreme ownership. <laughs> like you've got to own this shit. Pain's game. Yeah, I don't, it's not like from that point of view, but it's more saying that like, you know, you're the only person that really has control over, or not control, but is responsible for how you feel all the time. So if you're not happy, the only person who can really make you happy is yourself. And if it's tied to anybody else, like it doesn't matter if it's a partner, someone from Instagram or like anything like that, like it is ultimately your responsibility, like your own happiness. I think, it's like, I think that's such a tough lesson to teach because I think it's one of those ones you can only learn by experience. 100%. Like, I would never try and preach that. You could paint <laughs> that on your gym wall. You could say that to absolutely everyone. Yeah. But it's like, until you have like this like life experience where you, yeah, where you come out of it without epiphany, it's like you can't yes. be taught. You have to self-teach that, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I think you're 100% right because you can't, like, I don't know how you would even go about trying to teach someone that. Like, you can say it, but like you say, like, the message I'm saying and the message that's being received probably aren't the same. Like, I could yeah. say that to someone and the message they're receiving is Max is an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't care right. about me. Oh, so you don't have a heart? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly and it's right. like, you know, it's, we're not saying that, but we're just saying that like, ultimately, if you think your happiness is tied to any external factor, if it isn't, like it is ultimately your perception of the world around you. Like that's all, that's all it is, but that's gone off on like a weird philosophical no, I, I completely agree it's hard because it's very like through social media it's very hard to have that transparency as well um and yeah. then get that indication of the authenticity or yeah. of that person but i think like people probably know but it's hard to be always aware that, like social media is not real it's a game mm. like it's a big game like how i am on social media is not how i am in person like i deliberately try and trigger people on social media all the time yeah because i'm like this is fun <laughs> actually, actually nice guys <laughs> spoiler alert um but you know like and how like you said it's a highlight reel like it's not an accurate it's not big brother like we're not seeing people 24 7 on camera like we're seeing what people choose to share and everybody, no matter who they are, is going to have some degree of... Uh, showcase. Yeah, they're going to 
of course, buyers sharing, you know, what they are comfortable for people to see. And guess what? It's probably not their low points very often. Yeah. And it's like, again, with the whole empathy thing, it's like what they're sharing is what they're comfortable sharing. So yes. it's like, yeah. who are we to say, oh, look, we're only going to share what we're comfortable sharing. But you, because you have a big following, you have to share your worst days, even though everyone else is sharing their best. Like, yeah, it's just unrealistic as well. Like, it's unfair, but also just an unrealistic expectation yeah. of what yeah. someone should so do. Yeah, well, I certainly feel like they have a responsibility. I feel like we as consumers have a responsibility to have, like, some degree of a bullshit detector so that we can actually sift through it all and go, okay, cool. They have a mansion and six cars and ten dogs, but I can still be happy. Like, yeah. you have to be able to, like... Yeah, filter well, that through so it doesn't affect you so completely. Correct. I think the big thing there is that we're going to filter that noise and I think that's a big part of the educating as well. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. Well, I mean, this leads really nicely. So you see if you had a, a client who would come to you with maybe some of these body image we, we spoke about, what are, the, I guess, the general tips or, or things you would get them to try and implement um, to help them, I guess, overcome that or, or improve on that? I think it's really tricky because I think it's there's very much like an individual approach has to be taken for each person. Like yeah. people are the same. Um, certainly, like I think when a client first comes to you, if they come to me and they want to lose weight and I say, no, you're not going to lose weight, we're going to do this instead, they're going to become an ex-client really quickly. Yeah. So yeah. it's like you have to meet their demands and their requests to some extent. But I think initially you need to kind of like sprinkle these things on the side. So like obviously a lot of my work is in strength training. So like, the first thing I'll do is like allow them to kind of like start learning about nutrition and start like changing their body shape, but straight away shift the lens to how can we make you stronger? How can we make you more able-bodied? How can we make you more capable? So that that way, yeah, it's just not the entire focus. Like tying back to what we said before, it's like the body composition change that occurs is a byproduct of the other things that they're doing. So it's like, I certainly will help them in that regard but I'll just shift the lens to like, okay, cool. How much do we love training? Look at the skills we're developing, making a fun training environment where you're surrounded by good people and developing their life, life elsewhere. I also, I'm, I like, I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but I'm really, really involved with my clients' lives. Like I want to know everything that's going on. So like, you know, if someone is checking in with me, they'll tell me about how their weight's changed this week, but they'll also tell me about how their career is going and how their family is. So again, it's like I can continue to like help them cultivate these other areas so that way their body can just kind of like tick along on the side. Yeah, cool. I think uh, the, the biggest thing is like the biggest thing around body image is it's like it's the way you view yourself and it's important relative to the importance of the other things in your life. Mm. So you can either bring up the importance of other things or you can bring down the importance of their body. If someone's come to me and they're investing good money because I'm a fitness professional, they're not looking to decrease the importance of their body right now. Right now, it's important and they're investing time and money to change it. So the odds of me bringing that down right now is probably a little bit slim, but I can start bringing the importance up of other things. And then now that we've got time together because they're investing in me, I can slowly start like sprinkling in some of the things we've spoken about today about how the fact that your body's changing isn't necessarily going to make you happy. Yeah. It's that whole saying like people don't, care how much or don't really care how much you know until they know that you you care really yeah, so you're yeah. building that rapport trust straight away so you can get greater buy-in long term yeah which yeah. is huge and um i like that like you kind of indirectly tackling the issue which i think mm. is a really smart yeah um but it's going to be really effective because it's going to be less confronting for people as well 
Um, and it also, like, even as we have this discussion, like we're bordering, you know, like as health fitness professionals or whatever you want to lump this as, there's some things that are probably outside of our skill set. And that's like, if we really want to sit down with someone and discuss like their self-esteem and body image issues, you're going to kind of veer into kind of like, okay, this should be a psychology session rather than what we're really here to do. Um, and, you know, we're just not equipped to deal with it on a high enough level, really. But if what you're saying, Billy, is great, because it's like, A, it's much more comfortable to prioritise something else rather than try and deprioritise something that they're fixated on. Mm. But then ultimately you're going to get that same um, outcome for them anyway. And then, like you say, if you're building rapport for them over that course, they're going to be more comfortable to share with you, which I think is sometimes one of the things we need to navigate because even though like we're not psychologists, people feel comfortable talking to us because we do have that relationship. And then the last thing you're going to do is not listen to someone talk. So it's almost like, I think you've done a really good thing there of like, okay, let's not directly tackle you down and say, you know, what are your problems? (laughs) What are you doing? You know, your number does not define you. Like you can have all those chats if you want, but like you said, you'll just end up with a, folder full of ex-clients or we can go let's focus on the performance and just shift that lens of focus yeah that's awesome sure and it's like once you're building that rapport it's like you're acting less of a coach and more as a friend so it's like if someone's just going to come to me and tell me about you know had a pretty poor body image day yesterday was going to go on a date but didn't want to go kind of felt shit about myself they're going to tell me that as a friend and i'm going to respond as a friend not necessarily as an expert that's going to like force information down their throat about how the way they look doesn't matter so i just like yeah, that rapport is like so important. But also like, yeah, I think it's really hard to take like a direct approach with someone that you don't know very well. Like I think back to like, when my body image was absolutely atrocious. If I went to a PT and said, hey, I want to lose weight. And he was like, you don't need to lose weight. There's no way you're losing weight. You just need to get stronger. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, what would you know? Like, I'm yeah. not going to get this boy back by getting stronger. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know he doesn't I mean? care about so my death. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you need to like, talk to them in their language right and it's like yeah yeah, so it's like you need to meet them where they are and then help coach them through that and you're going to achieve that in one session by saying love yourself yeah it's just so true it's like like to make us believe that that's effective it's not no no i love that that's great yeah that's so we always you know we're sort of part coach part sort of counselor in terms of slash comedian (laughs) slash comedian yeah in terms of that approach so no i think that's great that's an awesome approach. Yeah, I think like if, if we were going to, sorry, you go. No, you go, sorry. No, I was literally going to say like, I'm going to put you on the spot here, even though you said it's highly individual, which I know that it is, <laughs> but we'll just, we'll just make it hard for you regardless. Like if you had like a piece of advice, let's just say advice um, for like any women that happen to be listening, because they will, because we will pump this out to every female client we have, um, if you had like a general piece of advice, like it doesn't have to be specific or anything, but something that you found helpful, I guess, throughout your journey, like what would that be? I think like I'll tie it back to like what I said before about like your body image being sort of the result of like the importance of the way you look relative to the importance of other things in your life. And it's like if the way you look is your whole world, you need a fucking hobby. Like go do something else. Like... And it sounds like the most counterintuitive advice because it's like, but like this, is, like, this is the most important thing. What do you mean I'm not going to change this? And it's like, no, like it's consuming too much of you. And like, that's not healthy. And it's like, 
it's not healthy psychologically, but also if you're like depriving yourself of calories excessively, you're overtraining, you're like doing all these things to absolute extremes, it's also not going to be effective physiologically either. So it's like, I think the biggest thing from a psychological and a physiological standpoint is like find something else that's important to your life. And I think that this has been like really, really highlighted through this year in like us not being able to do a lot of things that we would usually do to fill our days. Yep. I think the people that have really survived this year or thrived in this year are the people that like have shit to do. Like, and it doesn't matter what it is. Like I filled my days sewing. I made a quilt. Like, and I, I saw that. I that was that. Thank you. So, like, <laughs> my days have meaning, right? And it's like, yeah. I'm not in the mirror, like pinching my belly fat going, oh, put on a bit of weight in quarantine, which I have. Um, because I've done other shit. Whereas like, if you're at home all day, not really sure what to do with your time because you have nothing else in your life. Yeah. You have plenty of time to look at yourself in the mirror. So I think the biggest thing is like fucking fill your life with other things. I love that. That's going to be like, uh, I wish we could like just quote that. that. Yeah. That yeah. Quote, that's fantastic. Billy <laughs> says, get a fucking moment. That was a perfectly time F-bomb to really emphasize that, <laughs> that message. I love that. What emphasis? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is so good. Well done. Well, we really, again, appreciate your time, Lily. It's been an amazing chat, um, and I think our listeners are really going to get a lot out of this. So thank you again for your time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, likewise. Thanks so much, guys. And by the way, before we go, do you yes. want to give yourself a bit of a plug? Like, yes. If people, because I know you have a website um, and obviously socials, etc., where people can find more gems, like get a fucking hobby. Um, so where can people go to find stuff like that? Um, I'm on Instagram at Billy Asprey. And my website is just my full name, www.billyasprey.com. Um, I write on there a lot. I write a lot of, blog, uh, a lot of blogs about body image on there. Awesome. So awesome. it's like my Instagram, you'll get one line is like get a fucking hobby. And then my blog, <laughs> you'll get more elaborate how to okay. actually Fantastic. That. <laughs> we'll, we'll put those in the show notes so people can find Thank you for tuning in to the Performance Hub podcast. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to see more Hub-related material, check us out and follow us on Facebook, The Performance Hub, Instagram, performancehub underscore Melbourne. Until next time, keep pushing the limits of human performance.